Does human cloning sound like science fiction to you? How about lab-grown organs? This technology could save lives, but is it even ethical? We ask those questions and more this week on Candor Encounter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candor Encounter. I'm Sean. I'm David. I'm Chris. And, and Andrew. <laughs> oh, another voice. Right. A fourth voice added on. So we have a special guest today from out of town. Andrew is visiting us. And so we figured we'd bring him in to talk about human cloning today. You know, like friends always do. <laughs> Typical <laughs> evening conversation. <laughs> For us, it is. It is. <laughs> That's no... That's no joke. We talk about anything and everything, but this was Sean's uh, topic today, and we're going to go around the room and and talk about what we found about human cloning, what we think about human cloning, and as the basis of Candor Encounter, let's hit on what what was our perspective on human cloning before we even opened our first article. Yeah. yeah. So, Sean, you want to start us off? Yeah. So, for me, it was... It was hard to come down either way. Uh, I mean, as I am with most things. Was it even something you thought about? Like, really? Well, no, not before we had, like, deemed it as a topic to talk about. I mean, not really. I never questioned the ethics of it, really, anyway. Like, it sounds cool. And, you know, the idea of making a complete, like, clone of myself, like an adult me, was really interesting to me. Or... Interesting, but not interesting, but tantalizing. Because like cloning yourself and then the possibilities there are many. Like, you know, you could have your clone go to work or or do the stuff that you didn't want to do. I mean, there's a, a lot more nuance to it than that, I'm sure. But, you know, and the ethics of it. But you hadn't thought about the ethics before right, really right, right. today yeah. or, or this episode. All right. I, I have to, I have to mention, I don't, I don't, I have no idea what's happening. So I'm going to do it live. <laughs> Why did your water bottle just light up? <laughs> Wait, what? It just freaked me what? out. Yeah. It like glowed blue on my, on. Yeah. The base. So, so my wife and I have both been chronically dehydrated just pretty much forever. <laughs> and so she found this water bottle. It's, it's called hydrate spark and it's got a little thing in the bottom of it. It's got a little puck is what they call it that has LEDs. basically like a sensor in it that can uh-huh. weigh your bottle. And so when you buy it, you weigh it empty and you weigh it full of water. And then all day, every time you drink, it glows to let you know, hey, you drank a little bit. And then you look in your app and it's like, <laughs> just, that was 1.7 ounces. Congratulations. You're still behind. <laughs> drink more. <laughs> and the, the best thing about it is, uh, when you are behind your curve, cause you can set like when you wake up and when you go to bed and all that, uh, every hour or so it'll glow at you in like a really annoying fashion so that, you know, Oh crap, I'm, I'm behind. <laughs> if you, if you're ahead of your curve, it'll leave you alone. So <laughs> it's just naggy enough 
to get the Ugh. job done. I don't. I can't judge anybody That's, for having a smart water bottle. Does it send like notifications to your phone too? It can, but they were so cheesy and uh, so full of dad jokes. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> the light's got to be I'll enough. I'll check it when I want. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I've got it on my watch, so I can... Yeah. Right. Well, that was neat. It just caught me off guard. I was looking at Sean. He was telling his deal. And then I just saw this gl- blue glow <laughs> come out from underneath the bottle. And I was like, what is happening? So David, you, when you approached this topic, what was your view? I, it didn't really click. Like I understood that there would be psychological repercussions, like having two of the same person, the exact same person. Like you may have identical identical twins but it's different than you know another you Mm -hmm. specifically so like that was kind of in my mind and you because i watch a lot of science fiction maybe it's just me i know it's not but it's a popular trend nowadays but yeah whenever i thought about it it was one of those like it just felt weird i was all for it (laughs) but it felt weird like one of those I don't know what would happen if it truly became a thing, but I was for it. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt too. Like, I I can sense the hubris in it. Right. But it's like, <laughs> that sounds cool. I want that. I just knew that cloning existed, but like I didn't. I mean, it was big news back in the day, 2010, well, 2012. I like mean, time. yeah, I mean, back when... I was in probably elementary school when, and we'll get to the deeper story, but when Dolly was cloned, the first sheep that everybody knows about. And I, I remember when that happened and then it just sort of vanishing from the zeitgeist and then that's it. Like it was just really the conversation was gone for me. Right. And I never really thought that much about it again. And when the topic came up this time, I was just like, oh, I actually thought like, I don't even know going into this search if it's even possible to clone a human or not. I don't know if like we just don't do it because we shouldn't or we don't do it because we can't or for the record, we have tried as humans. Right. It has been attempted. But I was actually pretty uninformed, but I was really just surprised by how much I didn't know and hadn't thought about the issue. And I was like, what? How do I not, how have I not thought about this in the last like 20 years? (laughs) So yeah, it was new to me. What about you, Andrew? Before you uh, did any looking. So before I did any looking, most of what I had thought about it was limited to movies from the late 90s and early 2000s because that was like a big thing. Like The Matrix was all about, you know, not necessarily cloning, but kind of breeding humans as batteries there's that terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Sixth Day. I don't know if you remember that. It was awful. No, I've never seen it. <laughs> but it was all about Arnold Schwarzenegger being like a family man that was illegally cloned. Oh, and okay. he had to like clear his name of some big crime murder or something like that. The last 20 years, eh, not really something I had given a whole lot of thought. Yeah, the concept was there, but like... Um, I, I had done a little bit of research because I... I interviewed with a a medical device manufacturing company a few years back and they, in their checkered past, I'm not naming names here, um, had had some controversies with their own research in, into the field. And so that was like one of those where I was like, well, what exactly did they do? (laughs) 
I don't know. I, it's this is weird is enough. This I, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not not a lot. Um, but I did do some interesting research uh, since since you contacted me, and there's a lot more out there than there than I is. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I would say the same. There's a surprising amount of um, of questions that surround the topic. I didn't expect to run into so many. Uh, I expected to run into the ethical question. I didn't really expect to run into the, the, the medical benefit question. I really, I hadn't really thought about it. And I guess if I had thought about it long enough, that probably would have came to me if I had given the topic any consideration in the past, but yeah, the medical, the medical benefits question comes up quite often in the discussion about human cloning. So before we jump into the medical benefits, the ethical questions, let's talk a little bit about what human cloning is. Right. Uh, I wanted to get to that too a little bit because before doing any research on the topic, it didn't even really occur to me. Well, for one, the medical benefits of cloning, but even like, I didn't realize where cloning was at in today's world. Like I didn't know what moves we were making or how we did it. And uh, I think the how was, was a big question for me. Cause I was like, wait a minute, how does this even work? Right. Like, once I realized I had never asked that question, it was it was like, well, I had to figure out how they do it now. Like the first thing I would think of is just creating a a one to one double of yourself. That's the first thing that I thought of. So right. let's like talk about a, that on for a, a second. molecular scale. Well, well, well I mean, he means like a real time clone. Yeah, or or at the very least, you know, like a someone who has the exact brain and like memories of you at the very least, you know. Well, so that's like okay, so that's the science fiction version, right? of the clone right it's that they're the same age as you or they are you they are identically you to the memory to the character to your experiences to all those things and so they are you in yeah. every sense right but in the real world we've all since <laughs> been educated enough yes. to know you it all comes down to that that, that just can't exist it yeah. can't exist you can't create a perfect clone of someone that's the same age right now. At least. That's the obvious thing is like cloning starts with an embryo. And so right. we're the, a far cry from the, the only time that you can create fiction. a perfect clone from uh, of two people would be where they were the same age. It'd be where you split two embryos. Right. Well, like when you right. they clone, both clone. came from the same embryo and then grew up together, you can't turn an adult, into and have an adult clone with them. Right. If, if you did, you know what else you would get? Teleportation. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's instantaneous. If you can, if you can down to the molecule and right. the spin of the electrons, clone somebody. So right. They've got all the memories. Quantum teleportation. Then you just destroy the first yeah. one. I think and then you, you teleport it. You destroy individuality at that point. It's like, I mean, that sounds like a future episode. Yeah. Just does. quantum lock two people and then. Since they exist, but in the are same they state two? It is are they two people? They become one person, right? So quantum locking uh, makes so these two proton, protons are quantum locked, right? They are now the same proton. I'm looking at you, but I'm not. It's not. <laughs> the words are entering. The word. <laughs> they are not registering. So we have um, this science fiction concept of human cloning and we realize that it's pretty far-fetched and that you have to start smaller. But not only does it eliminate the ability to have someone that's the same age as you, say if you wanted to harvest 
a grown a human adult organ, you know, for your own use or something like that, it, that wouldn't be possible because they're small, but also it's not the same person any, any more so than like an identical twin who shares genetic DNA or, or genetic information is the same person because so much of who you are and so much of what you, your individuality and your character is all developed through experience. And so, yeah, I, like even if you say, uh, develop these clones who are, you know, split in the embryo and they were twins essentially made from the same DNA and they grew up together. They, I feel like they'd grow up vastly different just because strictly due to the fact that they grew up together. Like if it was a clone of me, I'd, I don't know how I would have acted if I had a twin. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've got twin aunts that are identical on my mom's side. And while they do a lot of the same things and they have a lot of the same interests and they always have, there's this internal conflict that both of them have. It's, it's like a competition amongst them. Um, they're both into geocaching, right? Like huge into uh -huh. it. My, my aunt came to visit me, I think it was in 2017 and she was way behind her sister, her twin sister, on the total number of geocaches she had found. But she was really close on the number of states. And since I live in Maryland, really close to the Virginia and West Virginia borders, <laughs> she was like, hey, I can get three states in one day. I was like, I'll do you one better. We're only an hour drive from Gettysburg. Let's get you Pennsylvania too. You get four in one day. And she's like, oh, I got to. I've got to get ahead of her. Like, and she's... <laughs> By the time she finished that, she was two states ahead of her twin sister. Yeah. And the two of them just bickered about it. But in so many other ways, they're so different. Their interests and their careers were different. Yeah. The things that they like to do in their free time is different. You know, they may share sports teams and, and, and a favorite color. Right. Uh, but even growing up in the same house with the same parents and the same big sister, so such different people. Yeah, it's just minor you know, what starts out as minor differences when they're really small, they just diverge over time mm -hmm. into totally different people. And can you imagine like as an adult, if you had yourself cloned and you now have a baby that's like you, right? Now you're separated by generations mm. of experience and they're going to have a completely different, they're going to be a totally different person. They're not even be almost unrecognizable except physically. Right? Yeah, and it's not even like, they know they're a clone. Like they're still a child being born. Like it's still a completely different existence. Oh, but then when do you tell them? You don't. Oh, that's so. You don't. The, the ethical <laughs> you problem just, there you just, is yeah. so. You just listen to the endless. Oh, you look just like your dad. You know, I was, uh, I was reading about, I was reading about some issues that would come up with that. Right. So obviously you have to reveal to them at some point. Yeah that they are not, I was going to say not unique, but they are unique, but they're not genetically. They're unique. not genetically. <laughs> they, unique. Le yeah. they learn about DNA and you're like, you're me. And they're yeah. like, we know. And you're like, no, you don't understand. You're not half me. You're all me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you'd have to be a very mature parent to be able to handle that kind of situation. Oh, yeah. Cause like you're going to really try to live vicariously through someone else who is you. Right. And that is asking for a lot of Freudian trouble. I mean, think about if you had a chance to do middle school over again. Right. 
<laughs> with all that you know now, right? Imagine yeah. them going through the same struggles that you went through. But they need to be like, themselves, right? Not you. Yeah, I, it, it would still be that kind of parent-child relationship mm-hmm. where you're still going to have you in middle school. It's like, I'm not listening to you. What do you know about <laughs> yeah, being yeah. in middle school? <laughs> yeah. And you're just sitting there like, I am you. But particularly with parents that don't want to let go, you know, like parents that need to release their kids from the nest, they don't need that kind of right. child. But that doesn't mean, this doesn't mean cloning itself is unethical. No, 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 no. No, I was just saying there, there are questions you yeah, would need to ask yeah. yourself Before, to be personally responsible for something. I like agree, that. yeah. Okay, so let's dart back a little bit to the topic of the procedure itself. So there's the the process of cloning and how that happens. Does anybody want to break that down? So there's basically two two ways, right? So in in my research at least, I found that if you want to reprogram a cell that you've harvested from a living person, you have to get it back to stem cells if you want it to be able to grow into anything whether you're seeking a full clone of an animal or a human or whether you're seeking an organ or something, you know, uh, that can be used as a medical treatment. And the, the first one, I believe it was the first, at least that we came up with was, uh, IPSC induced pluripotent stem cells. And it's, it's a complicated process where you take a living cell and you through a long process that can take months, expose it to molecules, you inject it with DNA, and then you use a virus, literally a virus, uh, to basically serve as construction material. And from that, you're able to re-derive stem cells, the same stuff that makes up a human embryo um, and that we see in umbilical cord blood and, and other things like that, and we're able to synthesize it. But it takes months and it takes a ton of resources. And so that's been largely abandoned by the scientific community just by virtue of being so... The complex and resource-heavy nature? So resource-heavy that it's it's not even useful. It's not practical in any right. sense. Like if you're trying to treat somebody that is dying of cancer, which are, are a lot of the people who've been experimented on with this technology, you don't always have six months to wait for some stem cells <laughs> to get created, Yeah. right? Like if you're that desperate that you're willing to take on this experimental treatment, you're probably way less than six months left. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're, you're feeling pretty desperate. Uh, the other one uh, has its own raft of controversies, um, but it, it's the one called somatic cell nuclear transfer. So this is the one that they did used on Dolly. This, Dolly. Is, this is what they used on Dolly. And so they take an egg cell uh, from a female and they rip the nucleus out of it. And then they take a, a cell with the desired genes that you want to have, rip the nucleus out of that, inject the nucleus into the cell. So they're injecting the nucleus of the adult that they're cloning. Correct. Into an empty egg cell. An, an empty uh, egg cell. An, an empty, yeah, egg cell that's lacking a nucleus now. Right. So that, that nucleus is what contains the DNA. But there's an interesting uh, subcategory here where you have your genetic material that makes up your DNA, uh, which is what most people think of when they start talking about DNA in terms of, you know, cloning, in terms of the 
criminal justice system, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But there's also mitochondrial DNA. Yeah. Um, yeah. This came up in the, in the articles I was reading too. And so this is where you, you get into the, the very tricky terminology when it comes to this type of cloning, because while you are a, a genotype match, so effectively an identical twin, you actually get the mitochondrial DNA from the female donor. donor. Cell. Yeah. And so you can be genetically identical, but actually have parts of the makeup of your cells that are functionally different. And that will go with you through life, right? Throughout life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it stays. And so this is part of like that genetic history. Uh, it was one of the most fascinating things I read about it where mitochondrial DNA can be traced for generations really through the females. So it, it's, you're definitely not a 100% clone and it's also not a, a perfect, uh, it's not a perfect science either. I mean, it's like, it's, um, it's pretty error prone. The somat- yeah. Is it somatic? Is that somatic. Right? Yeah. yeah. The somatic process is, um, I mean, they have to do a lot of them to really get a lot of results. Like it's not just like you're going to do it once and you're, and you, okay, this one, you know, you have to do hundreds. Oh yeah. I mean, sometimes they were before to you clone get usable macaques, like the monkeys mm-hmm. and they, I mean, now it has During been the time done. They were trying to show it. It was like 100 failed attempts before they even got one successful. What yeah. was it? How many generations of rats were they able to do? Was it like six? Was it 600? I thought I heard 800 somewhere. Okay. It was, it was higher, hundreds, almost but it was, a thousand. So it, they've cloned hundreds of generations of the exact same uh, rat. But rats have um, fairly short lifespans, you know, rather than compared yeah. to humans. And cloning presents unique challenges in the term, in the arena of aging. Anybody run across these? Yeah, definitely. These risks? Um, One I saw was, so in cells, the like ends of the chromosomes. What are those called? I forgot the name. Titers? Is that right? I think so. Titers. It's like the, it's the end of the chromosome that every time... Uh, they get cell division. Yeah, every time place. cell division happens, they get like shorter yeah. and shorter. Right. So if and you, so when you're, yeah. So if you take from like an adult right. cell, it'll already have shorter ends, which will like greatly decrease the lifespan of whatever clone you're making. Yeah, which uh, you know happens. Telomeres. Telomeres. That's to- I don't even know what titers. I don't even know where that came from. And it all <laughs> sounded Google. right. Everybody went with it. Telomeres, but that's it, it right. It sounded vaguely like biology. Yeah, great. Right. <laughs> All these words. It sounded smart. Well, Google solved that problem for us. But yeah, they can only get so short. And once that, that the, what would they call it again? Chromosomes? Nah, the ends. Telomeres. Oh, the telomeres. Once the telomeres, you know, reach, can't shrink anymore, the cell dies. And that's what. I guess you would also have to be careful in like successive generations too, because you can't take from that new donor cell or like. The new generation, because it has an, now take, shorter yeah, telomeres, from right? Already shorter telomeres. Oh yeah, it would diminishing returns. Yeah, diminishing returns. That's a good good way to put it. So I would imagine that over time, if you if you don't have a good supply of your original clone, that you would have a, a diminishing product. And uh, there's still other risks too, like deformities or miscarriages, all that kind of stuff. The the success rate is is pretty low. Right, the the ability to not destroy that DNA as it goes in and out, especially in humans, by the way, 
and that's proven to be very difficult to be able to extract the nucleus from a human cell. It's it's I've I've heard it was most difficult in humans just because exactly. like the how like dense the proteins are packed around the nucleus or something. Yeah, it caused a lot of uh, it causes a lot of issues. It almost just destroys the nucleus. So we talked a lot about the medical process, the the biological aspect of it. Does anybody feel like we missed anything before we move on to the ethical question and the benefits? Well, earlier I kind of wanted to say maybe we should explain stem cells a little bit because I didn't know how they functioned before reading about them. Sure. That's true, yeah. What I found in my research about uh, stem cells specifically for you know human cloning and medical research is that stem cells are kind of like that core building block of, of any mammal, but specifically here we're talking about humans. And once you have stem cells, you can expose them to different stimuli, whether those be chemical or electrical, and those can make it produce from the same batch of stem cells, any of at least four that I saw types of uh, somatic cells that can be grown from them. So those are Hematopoeic, I believe, is the name of it. Uh, those are related to the blood, the bone marrow, that type of stuff. There's cardiomyocytes, um, which are used uh, mostly for building muscle. There are neurons, which obviously end up in your brain and, and your nervous system. And then there's hepatocytes, which I actually don't remember what the hepatocytes specifically were. Uh, but I just found it really interesting uh, that not only you know do we understand enough about stem cells to know that we can stimulate them to produce these different kinds almost, right, yeah. almost build a whole body off of yeah. them. right but yeah. but ultimately like this brings up the kind of regenerative medicine question of like how how neat would it be if we could actually understand this and find an ethical solution and, and be able to whether that be an injection a pill a a something as invasive as chemotherapy but something instead of just destroying an immune system we help provide it the building blocks that it needs to destroy the cancer, to regrow that muscle, you know, that had to be cut out or, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So to me, it was like a really exciting thing to venture into. And then you start unpacking like, wait a second, how do we get those stem right, cells? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it's like, oh boy. I wish these questions, these benefits that come up when you find these like miracle solutions we're so neatly packaged that you didn't have right, to right. have these concerns, <laughs> yeah. but it always comes with caveats, right? So potential uses of stem cells that I found, these are things that might be treated if, if we could find an ethical way to, to do this research and to make these treatments. Stroke, traumatic brain injury, learning defects, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, regrowing missing teeth, male pattern baldness, blindness, deafness, Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, myocarditis infarction, you know, heart attack, heart attack. Uh, muscular dystrophy, diabetes, cancers, Crohn's disease, healing wounds, traumatic injuries, bone marrow transplants, which is something that is actually currently being done with a type of stem cell research, spinal cord injuries. Like, think about that wow. alone. The number well, of people that are affected by that. You've named like the top three human right, killers right. already. Right. You know, it's like. And osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, which are some of the most debilitating diseases mm-hmm. in the elderly population. Yeah. Because not only do they keep you from being able to do the activities that you used to, you know, your own 
loves, your own hobbies, yeah, seeing your grandkids and stuff, but they also just make you constantly in pain. Yeah. And, and you like, lose what your a independence. Quality you know? of life. Yeah. You know, I've seen this in in family and friends as they've aged, and rheumatoid arthritis is terrible. Right. Just terrible. And so to think that there is a potential technology yeah. that and could solve all of that. Yeah. You know, and granted, that's a lot of research. That's a right. lot of money. Right, right. But you're uh, talking about a path. A path to even thinking about solving those problems. Mm-hmm. It's like that utopian yeah. desire that you wish you could have. Does it yeah. sound like, you know, your dad always said, like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably <laughs> is. I'm not I'm not discrediting. You oh, know, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like, but it does sound right. so grandiose. You know, it's like, can this be real? I, I mean... The, but just like with every other science, there's only there's only one way to know. You gotta do it. Right. You gotta do it. Right. So, uh, do you guys feel like this um, ties into the ethical question of cloning, or yeah, is yeah. it? Huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Describe that relationship for the listener. How stem cells? How this study using stem cells relates so much to this question of cloning we were using today. So I, I think for me, the biggest ethical question is, you know, the, the way that we found to create human stem cells is through that SCNT, that somatic cell nuclear transfer that we talked about earlier. But in order to do that, you have to have live human egg cells. And I don't know how much you guys know about egg donations. It is a very invasive process. Uh. So typically what will happen uh, if you want to donate eggs is they will actually give you a drug that makes you hyperovulate. And so women will drop multiple eggs during a single cycle. Uh And when that happens, the side effects for the drugs that are used for that are crazy. Mm. I mean, you're talking the the typical stuff you would associate with a woman cycle, bloating, indigestion. Just... On water retention, um, you know, dehydration, yeah. except think of it taken to 11. <laughs> Multiply, yeah. right, right? right? Because it's not just a single cycle. It is multiple cycles being jammed down into a single one. And that's not even counting the actual physical harvesting, yeah. which is also in- incredibly invasive. And probably painful. And, and painful. And some of these side effects that come from the drugs that are treated here last long beyond the procedure. Mm. And so while these are rare side effects, it creates this huge issue of if we wanted to use this for regenerative technology, for solving Alzheimer's, you know, something that that problem first, you've got to solve that. You have to figure out where are we going to get all of these living egg cells from without creating an entire generation of women that are completely disabled. And so the solution here. I mean, is the, is there a proposed solution to where to get the eggs from? Or is this just the question that hangs in the air right now? That's kind of the question, right? Yeah. Like, so a lot of it, um, and I found in my research that President Clinton uh, in the 90s had basically banned federal funding mm-hmm. for any form of stem cell research, uh, which effectively killed it in the United States. It was because- like the form of a clone scare, and it was like, just, yeah. And, yeah. Well, just, and, nope, we're done. and anti- uh, uh, did it have a lot to do with fetal embryo issues? Is that what his banning had to do with or no? Because I know there was that scare in the 90s too. I, I believe it was just the ethical the implications mm. 
of just like, this is not something we want to be dipping our fingers into. That's when cloning hit the mainstream. He was like, now we're going to shut that down. Yeah. Not, not on humans. Yeah. You, you do what you want with the lab rats right, and the sheep. That sheep was weird, <laughs> but don't even come close to humans. <laughs> also a note I meant to mention earlier with Dolly. Right. She lived uh, not very long. Yeah. She, ha, ha, as far as according to a, the life of a sheep. And we were talking about the telomeres earlier and about how that might yeah. affect your, your lifespan. So going back to um, stem cells and the relationship to human cloning, when the question comes up nowadays about how ethical it is to clone a human, like it's, you don't hear that question on the, on the nightly news, right? And there's a reason for that. And I think that's, you know, there's so many organizations like the, the World Health Organization and so many countries have outlawed the process already. And so do you guys feel as well, right? Something that is like, it hasn't been fully ratified, but there's been a lot of member countries that have already signed on to say like, no, we're not even going to touch this stuff. I did want to read the statement by the world health organization and how they frame this issue. And the statements by Dr. Hiroshi Nakajima, the director general of the world health organization and not current director, but He was when he made the statement. WHO considers the use of cloning for the replication of human individuals to be ethically unacceptable as it would violate some of the basic principles which govern medically assisted procreation. These include respect for the dignity of the human being and protection of the security of human genetic material. So they they were talking about because of like the destruction of the embryos that right. is there. And that's the big ethical question that comes into play is you have a lot of, in at the end of this process, you have a lot of wasted, I guess you could call them wasted. I didn't know a better term, but embryos that failed during the process, right? And then you have, of course, those things down the line. You have genetic mutations. You have um, the ethical question of whether that, how is that individual to live? Well, you can back up even to the beginning of, yeah. it, is it ethical to synthetically create a human life? Right, just because, at its base. Like, depending on, on your opinion of when life starts, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it starts at conception, well, it doesn't matter if that's a natural conception and in vitro fertilization or ripping a nucleus from a couple of host cells right. and creating one yourself. The the mm-hmm. end result is, a human is being. stem cells that replicate and yeah. can create a human body. Right. It's just a matter of what, what was the process to get you there and what's the process of incubation thereafter. And I think that for me is the core question here is like, if we know this is going to fail even one time out of 10, Mm-hmm. which from my research, at least it was significantly higher than that. Yeah, that's generous. Oh yeah, that's that, generous. That would be very generous. Um, how could that, how, how ethical can it be to create and subsequently destroy nine human lives for the process, the, the possibility mm-hmm. of saving another? Yeah. And it's that question of down the road too. It's like, you're not, you're not just saving like that one individual if you're going to create something new that's going to save lives in the future. We talked about this in another episode about how 
will humans go extinct? Was it that episode? What are we talking about? You know, when we talked about how our relationship to what we do now is not just, Oh, we, there's we don't a, just affect the present, yes, right? There's an emotional detachment between you and the future generations. Well, yeah. So that, that causes people to make mistakes. Like we said with climate change, like if yeah. you, you know, you feel like your contribution to climate change or whatever, right. Maybe nil because your disconnection from the entirety is so, you know, it's so small, but the reverse of that is your attempt at changing the future is also multiplied because if you affect change in some small percentage, so say you create some process that through this uh, research that in the future expanded over time saves 33 million people, right? Over time. I'm just being the devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. If you allow this research and you allow this, what you view as like hurting um, a living thing or, or, or destroying a living thing in the process, have you made it worth it, right? Because you had this exponential effect over time. But see, the, the whole problem there is you don't know if you're going to have a right, good right. effect. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it also kind of goes back and, you know, just to touch on a real hot topic, uh, hot button topic, the the cells that were harvested from aborted babies in the 60s and 70s yeah. are still in use today. Those cells are still being used to create vaccines and all forms of medical treatment. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, regardless of where you stand on, on that issue of abortion today, you can't help but look back to those few, and it is a few, right? Stem, cells, stem cell lines that are still in use by the medical community today, and it's hard to argue against. What, are they replicating it or something? It, so from what I understand, and, and granted, I didn't look that up as, as part of my research for this right. topic, so this is it just made me pulling back from a long time ago. It survived that long. Um, these cell lines are being used similar to the way that human cloning we're discussing today um, as basically an incubation process for growing the viruses or whatever the case may be for uh, live virus or I forget what the other type of, of vaccine is, but they're being used specifically for that. So that these are human cells that are growing the antibodies that make a vaccine effective. Mm. And so, you know, there's a lot of discussion. See, I didn't even know. I thought that the, um, you know, the contested uh, fetal cells of the past, I thought, I just assumed, actually, I didn't even research. I assumed they weren't even in use today, really. Still in use today, 60 years later. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of um, the discussion that went on during the COVID vaccines. There were a lot of people that were concerned about, like, how were these things created? Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, obviously we, we got through that and none of those cell lines were actually used mm -hmm. um, for like the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines. Um, but it is a thing that is used in a lot of vaccines today. It's used in a lot of treatments today. And so when you look at that and you think of the absolutely massive impact that just those few donors have had mm -hmm. over the last 60 years, stamping out polio, stamping out smallpox, you know, the, these are diseases that were debilitating for generations of people around the world and specifically for Americans as well. Yeah. 
that we don't even give a second's thought. Like, what was yeah. the la- when was the last and, time you thought about smallpox? Well, and the most affected by these vaccines, the most, the place where the benefit is felt the most is really the ones that suffer the most, and that's third world countries, right? That are given these modern vaccines, right? And so, to me, you know that that ethical question, in in a way, is easy to answer because mm. we can already see what similar things have done to medical advances, right? It's absolutely massive. It's like it's like the extrapolated, complicated version of the of the train tracks question, where you right, where right. you killed the yeah. one or you killed the twenty, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, because we can see in hindsight already, we know that we we saved the greatest number, I guess. Right. You know. You know. Yes. We is that we, what you're well, saying? It's boiled yeah. down to simplicity. To, in, in the simplest terms, like the, those the those three babies that were aborted back then have saved millions upon millions of lives because yeah. they were used to create the vaccines right. that stamped out these diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously those stem cells can't be used in the same kind of therapy that we're talking about today right? because those are from one specific person. And mm-hmm. here we're talking about regeneration and organ growth, getting away from um, transplant rejection, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so you have to have your own DNA yeah. that you can take and yeah. replicate and have a, that you know, quote unquote younger version of yourself, right? And so it's it's a different ethical question, but I think when it comes to what is that benefit cost benefit analysis? Oh boy, that's hard, right? You yeah. know, because the now benefit you're looking is at the so big with like drapes over the bodies, and you can't tell how many is under it. Yeah, yeah. So this comes back down, you know, during the or when I was reading the WHO statement, one of the last things they say is the protection of the security of human genetic material. You know, this question comes up every now and then too, in this ethical quagmire of cloning is that like, is your DNA yours? Yeah. This like, is right. it yours yeah. to do with what you want to do with it? We were going to actually or make an it? entire topic on this. And if you do make a clone, how much, you know, control or ownership do you have over that? Right. I mean, it's like, so, I mean, there are identical twins with identical genetic material, but like, they're still two separate people. Right. Like, you know? even if you clone yourself, I feel like you're just not, it's not going to be the same. It's not the same person. Right. You but may give them the same name and have the same genetic material, but. The, um, the question for, uh, what's the term? The, uh, genetic or not geneticist, the, uh eugenicist is that the right term eugenics yeah so the question surrounding um the sort of eugenics debate can come up in this clone debate as well because you have this sort of for a space to bring this up oh were you yeah. I'll, I'll let you pitch it because i i don't i don't i didn't go into it deep i didn't well i mean it's pre- it's pretty simple if you think about it so eugenics is um kind of like this forced evolution of humans um, where you pick and choose the better parts, right? Quote, unquote, the better parts. Yeah, sort of a customizable. Yeah. Uh, but bad actors can become a real big problem with cloning. Uh, and this being, especially if they're in the ones in control of the process, um, where they get to pick and choose what they like and move. To well, yeah, if you combine this situation. with the modern discussion around CRISPR, Right, which is this whole, like you were talking about, this genetic uh, 
pick and choose, customize yeah. what you want. Design your baby. Plus, you can also yeah, right, use right. your own DNA. It's like, where does this even go? Like, this is really, really messy when it comes to ethics. And uh, so that question comes up a lot, too. And uh, how do you guys feel about sort of ownership of your own genetic material? Because, I mean, what if someone were to copy your DNA? Like, you say you're some NBA star, right? Your genetic material is now what worth something, right? You can sell your genetic if, material. If if you could clone you could LeBron st- James exactly, and know that your son would be Who? as good as LeBron James <laughs> in thirty years, so many people would pay for that. Oh yeah, a lot of money for that. I mean, I'd mortgage a house for that. Right. <laughs> like, you just think about the amount of money that he makes, and even if you had a whole NBA full of him, right? It's still going to be so valuable. But that's another question if you have another NBA full of him, right? So now you've opened up the door. Yep. The floodgates are open. I can go to the uh, the genetic black market and order me a LeBron James just like you can order you a LeBron James. <laughs> and now, now the colleges are full of them. And so I mean it's I don't think the likelihood that's a I think that's stretching that a good bit, you know. But but you know, but it's it's also not unlike the housing market today, mm-hmm. you know. Like right now, if you want to buy a house and you're under thirty, yeah, right. Good <laughs> luck with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, houses have gone so crazy, and it's literally just the richest of the rich and the speculators that are gonna, can afford to take on another loan mm-hmm. so that they can rent out to the people who can't afford to pay the crazy prices. Yeah. I, I was talking to my grandmother about her house that she built about 10 years ago, and it has doubled in price. Now, I, I built my house about eight years ago. Yeah. It hasn't gone up that much. Yeah, It's gone up a lot. It hasn't gone up that much. But you think about even that. She lives in a, a nice but not a crazy neighborhood mm-hmm. that is now unattainable even for the people that are her age, that are retiring and have all that money. Right. Even yeah. they are like, I, I can't afford to pay that much money for a house. Yeah. Imagine you're doing that with kids. Yeah, only it's uh it's an elitist game. It, it's right. absolutely right. an elitist game. Yeah. Only only the best people will get to pick and choose their genes. And and that goes for the CRISPR debate as well as it goes for cloning yourself or cloning someone that's uh, a big name or something like that. Yeah, I think for me that's that's kind of the scariest thing is if this starts a bidding war. But know, I mean, this is yeah. out of reach. Yeah, for it's going to be. That's you not. go to the hospital for some procedure or something. There's no telling, you know. And I'm not calling nurses or any anybody's like any professionals into question here. But I'm like, your genetic material is up for, you know what I mean? Right. It's like anybody who goes in there is up for harvesting and then and selling their genetic material. Cause you don't need, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't do it with a hair follicle, but I mean, you can like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not hard to do. Once, you take one extra vial of blood. I mean, they don't question yeah. it. You can get the cells. And so I, it's just, um, it's very hard to protect your genetic material. So if that technology gets out into be widespread use and like cloning gets to be doable on a, on a mass basis, then uh, there's no, there's, it's a Pandora's box, I think. Yeah. That's the exact phrase I was thinking. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot of boundaries that are crossed Mm -hmm. that just, you won't be able to go back on. 
And not to mention, like, the effect it would have on, like, individuality and, like, placing worth on DNA and valuing someone else's DNA more than others is, ugh, to oh, me. It, <laughs> it does. It has a very gross feeling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where people are, like, bidding for someone's genetic material. That has serious, like, um, Third Reich <laughs> yeah. feelings to it. And, but I mean, you can't stop the human condition. Like mm. people are going to go there. Oh yeah. You know, they're going to go there. Any opportunity to make money, there will be yeah. a subset of people that will absolutely exploit it. Yeah. And even if we were, you know, like who has done, take human cloning off the table. Even if we say, all right, that will never happen. We will never go there. But let's mm-hmm. maybe we can harvest some organs. You know, yeah. we can grow some organs because right. we know enough about this we now. Can start. Think about the black market already mm-hmm. for organs, and you know how long transplant lists are these days. As soon as the technology pops up, the black market pops up. Exactly, and to think about being able to take that extra vial of blood mm-hmm. and give that to somebody, and now they can create a whole bunch of kidneys. Right. You know, and the positive implications are massive because transplant lists are always long. There are always people dying on them. And it has been that way ever since the first transplant was ever successful. Yeah. And until we find a solution, it will always be that way. Yeah. Because we know the donor solution is not. There aren't enough people. It's not sustainable. There aren't enough people that have chosen to be organ donors to ever catch up. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, you look at just population growth on the whole, more people are born than die. That's how population keeps going up. (laughs) Uh, so this will always be a problem, but if this could suddenly be that solution, you have to have so much protection on that technology, on the supply chain, on everything else. Because if you don't, the exploitation would be insane. Yeah. Something else I was going to mention was like, it's not like there's not some other great moral imperative like people want to do this for the right reasons usually most people do Mm. like oh sure a ton of people aren't these bad actors like planning on overselling on the black market but those people are there and the ones that will make a profit are the ones that are already in the elite yeah that's more than likely i mean that's another question like who's gonna control this right how do you you standardize something somebody's gonna control it and whoever controls it it's making a lot of money. They wield, they wield power in, oh, in yeah. some way. So, um, how do you guys do? You guys view this as inevitable in some way? I mean, like, is this unstoppable? Like, is there? I think some form of it is definitely going to come. That's, I don't think. That's, yeah, that's where I am with it too. I don't think cloning, as far as like growing from a child may be inevitable, but I think some form of cloning will be. I I can't help but think about how much the psychology field grew during the Soviet era. And it wasn't because we had the sudden enlightenment. It was because the Soviets did not care about the ethics of their own human experimentation. They didn't care. And you can't argue with how much 
progress was made through that. You can argue, maybe we shouldn't know that. <laughs> maybe it would be better if that was harder for us to have learned. I, I want to go to this topic one day because I don't know how much, I don't know much about what was learned yeah. from the Soviets in psychology. It's, it's, there's a lot. Um, I don't know it, details either. Obviously, the details of it are fuzzy because you're talking <laughs> Cold right, War, right, the, right. the Iron Curtain. You know, there's a lot there. Um, but it, it did happen. There were experiments that were clearly unethical to the Western world. But There's, they drew clear lines. But they drew clear clear results uh -huh. and conclusions from these terrible experiments. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't help but think that in the modern world, with the advancements we have in medicine, that this isn't already happening in China. Oh, that's a good point. Because we don't know uh, yeah. what's going on there. They, they don't tell the truth to the rest of the world. I mean, you can see yeah. that just with what happened yeah. with the coronavirus. Well, was, yeah, we're not. No, no, that wasn't us. There was no gain of function <laughs> happening here. Don't look at us. It must have been some bat in, in the market. Yeah. You know, and now we're like, oh, no, that definitely did not happen. Yeah. It definitely came from this lab that everybody's like, oh, no, that's a stupid conspiracy theory. Myself included right. at the time. I yeah. was like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That would yeah. never happen. But like. Mm, kind of okay i could be wrong um but yeah it just when you hear about that kind of stuff happening you can't yeah. help but think something like this is already being researched there and god help us with what happens if they're successful and use it for the betterment of the communist elites there yeah so that raises another question it's almost like the nuclear debate it's like you have an unethical race going on, right? If the bad people have the stomach to do the difficult thing first, they're going to have the technology to begin with and they're going to have the upper hand. And I, I didn't get into this in the article, but that makes like in any research I did about like China or anything, but it totally makes sense. Like it makes sense. I bet they're doing this. I totally bet they're doing this. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, to be clear, Total speculation here. Oh, yeah, yeah I have yeah. absolutely no idea if it's actually well, happening. Yeah, you're not claiming it, but I'm just saying it's, it makes sense to me. Like we talked about on the, um, I was some previous episode, we talked about how they have the Golden Shield projects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the free speech episode. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like they do tons of things and like we don't even know what every Golden Project is. I've heard of like organ harvesting and stuff in China. <clears throat> I mean, I don't have any backup for that but i've heard <laughs> several people talk about it so right. yeah well i mean it's i think that there is one day maybe days years and years after we're gone but when the history of what happened behind closed doors in china comes out because this has been a lockdown regime for a while yeah yeah 70 years? I mean, right? the, commercially, they trade. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that you know what's going on in China. No, we hear what they want us to hear. And China is huge. So, yeah, I, I just think one day, this is off topic, but I just think one day we're going to, there's going to be the black history of China will come out. So, back to um, the talk about cloning. So, you know, we, we read what the WHO says about or what their director said about cloning. And there was another statement by the European Par Parliament, and they rushed through a resolution, and this was years ago, but this was their statement. The cloning of human beings cannot under any circumstances be justified 
or tolerated by any society because it is a serious violation of fundamental human rights and is contrary to the principle of equality of human beings as it permits a eugenic and racist selection of the human race. It offends against human dignity and it requires experimentation on humans. Each individual has a right to his or her own genetic identity and that human cloning is and must continue to be prohibited. Well, I don't disagree. So you say you don't disagree. Does that mean you're against human cloning as it stands or what? I guess we're getting, we're an hour into the podcast. So we may go ahead and find out sort of where we're at today after we've had our, our fill of, of material. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, I do agree, right? Like they're right. I think it can lead to eugenics. It does have an impact on like the worth of an individual in a way, like not as any one individual, but individuals as a whole. How, How so? How do you feel like it impacts the the worth of an individual? Well, not okay. I don't know if I'd say it does right now, but if it progresses, it could get to that point. Because I mean, just kind of like I'm a shell of DNA that can be right. If 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 any person can be created with any chosen DNA that they wanted, I don't think it would impact uncloned people but as clones i feel like they would have like some existential issues to work through for sure okay this was something else i was going to bring up just real quick before we move on sure um so the uk i don't know if y'all saw this the uk um and how they handle cloning uh is they provide a license this license allows you to um create human embryonic stem cells through nuclear transfer, but it requires that the embryos be destroyed at 14 days after the nucleus has been transferred. Since this is when they begin to produce um, like the beginnings of a nervous system. So they allow research, but it always ends at 14 days. Yes. Okay. That's like where they've drawn the line and said, Hey, you can't move past this which is a really short time by the way in like stem cell research do they allow like reproductive cloning yeah this is for human fertilization and reproductive reproduction like embryology whatever it's called ignore that wait I'm confused so but you said they're required to to have the embryo destroyed at 14 days yes but is it legal to like like say there's a couple that through uh like genetic disability can't have kids do they allow reproductive cloning there it's currently not it's currently not allowed in any as far as i know in any civilized country it's outlawed I thought there were some states. I mean, am I it, wrong? There's, I, there's no federal funding at all for it, but some states allow it. I think. I know the U.S. doesn't have any like strict rules on it. They've been yeah. considering it for a long time, but we've been silent. There's on no the federal issue. laws on it. There's Correct. no federal law that strictly prohibits the cloning of humans yep. for, for birth, growth into yeah. life. They, Do you feel like that's a fair reason to allow the process? 
I mean, if you have someone who can't have children any other way, as far as like, you know, bearing children, um, having their DNA uh, rather than some kind of surrogacy or, you know. So that's the debate in legislation is whether the ban should be all-encompassing or if it should be restricted to. Um, so this is debated. Yeah. Okay. This is I, They've talked about it for a while now, but it. They've just never come down on a side. I, I think I would I would be in favor of allowing the process. I think it would cause me personally. It would it would ha- I would have too many psychological questions mm-hmm. come out of this. Like if it were to me personally say like, as raising a child, would I want to raise one of the exact exact same DNA as my wife? Right. Let's say. I think I would be much more comfortable with some donor than I would be. I don't know. That right. that's a personal like that's not my feeling about the entire situation. Mm. Just like my own personal choice I think I would struggle with that personally. But I think that it should we should leave that door open for someone to make that personal choice on their own if um if that's what they want. Cuz I mean I I know there is this innate human I don't know what drive that is, but it's like there's a there's a want for greater scientific knowledge. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like to to further your genetic material, right? That's like it's it's ingrained in us. That's why we reproduce, right? And so when you go to have children children and you if you were that couple and you realize I have no way to pass on my genetic material, should that be an option open to them? And um and I think that I'm in favor of individual choices most of the time. Yeah. And I, so I would say right. you know they should be correctly informed and they should make that decision on their own. I don't disagree. I think in the end, it's one of those leaps and bounds that's going to have to be made and bite the bullet, kind of like how we agreed AI was. Like there's a ton of drawbacks that can come back from it. Yeah. But but who's going to stop Yeah, us? like we have to either move forward or stagnate. That's the question. Yeah, it's time to, I mean. And we don't stop as humans. That's what I meant by inevitable earlier. It's like, I just don't see this train ever coming to a stop. But my hope is that instead of going into an explosion of a cloning market, there's yeah. there's instead, I'm, not cloning, but if we get to that point, I feel like technology is also going to get to a point where we might not care about cloning so much maybe we're like post scarcity and and i mean that would require you to solve these really difficult problems right. that come with cloning these these aging issues these genetic failures these there are a lot of a lot of problems to be solved if you want to use this as a as solely like a cloning market yeah i really don't in reality you know we talk about these things today but in reality i think the likelihood of there being just this cloning explosion. I just don't see that. I just, I don't see that as a, as a particular likelihood. See, I, I think this is where you and I are going to disagree pretty hard on this. Because <laughs> um, my opinion on this subject is I think for, for medical research, for regenerative therapy, for organ, lab grown organs, this has the possibility for absolutely fundamentally 
uh, changing medical civilization history. changing yeah. advancement. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But I think on the flip side, the human cloning, I, I don't see any advancement. I don't see any gains mm-hmm. that we get from that. I only see downsides. Yeah. I, I don't see, like, you use the example of people who, who are incompatible or who cannot bear children or whatever the case may be. We have so many options for mm-hmm. IVF. We have, you know, therapy that can can help make you more hospitable. We have as difficult as it is in this country, adoption. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. kids. You know, that we have parents. so many, so many different ways to solve that. I, I that feeling that many of us feel of I need to pass on my values and my uh, legacy to the next generation. And we talked earlier about really what makes the person, and that's really highlighted with adoption, is like their environment and their character is built through how they're raised and right. where they're raised. It's not, it hardly has anything to do with their genetic material. Right. And so for me, I'm, I'm a hard pass on the human Just allowing to the, life. Uh-huh. I, I don't think there is anything good to be had from that that can't be solved with stuff that we already Probably have today. Yeah. And granted that is speaking from, you know, a person who hasn't experienced those things in my right. life. So I don't have the same uh, emotional knowledge and intelligence that somebody else might have on this. Um, I have people close to me in my life that have gone through the painful adoption process. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and what that can, can look like and how long and how heartbreaking it can be. Um, So I don't say, Oh, just adopt as if it's an easy thing that (laughs) is affordable and quick. Um, Rarely are answers that simple. But I think, you know, human cloning is not the answer to that. I think there are other, solutions, you know, from a, a systematic, from a legislative, from a regulatory perspective that can solve those issues of wanting to pass on yourself to a new generation. So are, are you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I want to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like uh, leaving those those sort of rules in place as they very clearly drew the lines um, well, actually, I say very clearly. I don't think it was no, very, it was clearly. Not very clear. It was actually kind of vague language, so I take that back. But um, you you would make allowable the research end of of the for the health benefits of the development um, and use, but not into full human life. Right. I, I think what David pointed out about the UK's law, you know, that fourteen day. Mm-hmm. That's that's again early life is very complicated and still very much a thing that needs research. And that's actually something that is growing through this field. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but that 14 day at that point, they can't feel pain because they do not have a nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so stopping before that, point. stopping before that point, I think while there is no clear point that you could ever put on right, the right. ethics of a human life ever, it, it is so complex and so, spiritual and scientific all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think, you know, that that might be a good place to start uh, until we get more information. At least we know ignoring the ethics of creating and destroying a a potential life, at least there's no pain being inflicted. There is no torture. There is no Mm -hmm. harm in that regard. 
Right. Um, and so I, I think looking back, you know, to those, those donor cell lines, those stem cell lines that are still being used today mm-hmm. um, and the, the leaps and bounds they've given the medical community, I would love to see when we're old men, right? Stem that cells same kind of thing sneaking yeah. in and- where we can, we can step all the way away from the abortion debate uh-huh. because we have a totally different solution that can give us a lot of the same stuff and in a lot of ways, even better solutions to solve so much more human suffering. Um, but man, it is so complex to think about. Like, I, I'm glad I'm not in charge. Cause you're riding yeah. this line. Yeah. This ethical it is line. this super, super dangerous ethical line of like, you, are you taking a life? Yeah. When you create an embryo and you destroy it at 14 days, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people that will say, oh, you absolutely are. Well, a lot of and people. And I think there are a lot of people who say, oh, not at all. We really You're destroying a clump of cells. We really didn't touch on this um, specifically, but, you know, a lot of people make the point that it's not, it wouldn't be considered life unless it had had progressed mm-hmm. and implanted because there had there was no there was zero success without implantation. There was never a chance for it to be life right. until it were implanted. And so a lot of people make that argument. Um, but I just thought I would mention that. I think that's a good point. Because <clears throat> I mean, like, okay, so take IVF for example. There's a lot of um, a lot of, I guess you would say waste. I mean, like, there's there is wasted embryos, you know, in the process. Mm -hmm. Now the process isn't intended to waste embryos. The process is intended to have a successful one. Right. Right. But there are just all those embryos that fail in the process. Right. Embryos fail in the process. Well, embryos also fail in the natural processes as well. And then they, they're just not by a human process, you know, not by a guided hand process. Right. It's, it's that natural incompatibility right and so the question really becomes i mean is that even you know does that matter because do those embryos you know when you're trying to conceive through ivf uh your point is to aim to give human life that's your intention and everything you're doing is driving towards that you're making serious sacrifices towards it and um you know as adults who are trying to conceive you're trying the same thing and just because it failed it doesn't it doesn't mean you morally like you you made an unethical decision and so it very well may mean that it's not necessarily as unethical as it seems to have something not survive you you know and I, and that comes from someone who is very pro life i'm not like i'm you know, I mean, I'm, it's not, it's not an easy thing for me to say, but it really makes sense to me that if you're driving towards something, I don't know, it just sounds so dramatic. We're not, we're not filling containers full of dead babies. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're trying to, to guide a process towards saving lives. And I think that intention matters. Intention matters when you murder someone. Intention matters when you, you know, when you hurt someone, like it always matters. And I think that it matters here too, as what I was driving at. So uh, does anybody else have anything they want to add before we go through 
this matters literally zero to the topic. Well, hand. good. Add it to the conversation. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's by extension. So Dolly, the sheep, or the first mammal that we we successfully cloned in like '97. Do you know why they named her Dolly? I have no idea. It's because the cell that they pulled and put in the egg, or the nucleus they pulled and put in the egg, was from a mammary cell. And Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fill in that blank. No. <laughs> we'll just let you guys figure uh, that one out. All right. Oh, that was good. Yeah. I'm glad we ended with that one. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, yeah. And what, what's even weirder to me is that the guys that uh, did the cloning were like from Scotland or something. Mm -hmm. So it's just weird to me that Dolly Parton was in their minds for this. Of course it was a sheep they cloned in <laughs> Scotland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they have. And immediately <laughs> spray painted its butt. <laughs> so does anybody else have anything? So one thing I didn't touch on when it comes to the research, the medical research aspect of this, was the complications that can come from existing technologies that use stem cells, is existing treatments. And one that I had no knowledge of prior to this week was graft versus host disease, which is the almost polar opposite of a transplant rejection so transplant rejection is when you receive a transplant of an organ and your own immune system fights the organ and it can result in death. It can be traumatic. Graft versus host is the opposite. So you get a stem cell transplant and the, oh, the stem the, cells attacks the immune cells that come along with the stem cells attack your organs oh. and it can be equally deadly and debilitating. Wow. I've never heard that. Me and either. so, yeah, I, I had neither. So I started doing this research and I'm like, that is terrifying. Because <laughs> you think about people that are receiving bone marrow transplants. Yeah. You know, their immune system's already dead. It has mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. To, yeah, to yeah. get well, there. Yeah. One of you the have things, to go through chemo to get that, that surgery as far as I know. It's a pretty one-sided fight. Yeah. And so, exactly. It, you're gone, right? Yeah. And so you think about even if you open the door for this medical research, like what is the human cost going to be while we figure out what the heck we're doing with this? I, I don't have so much a problem with people who are voluntarily paying the price. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like we had to burn our way through bloodletting. We didn't know. And we had to work our way towards what we did know. And if you can't, if you're not willing to, to push the frontier, I don't think you'll ever get where you want to go. Yeah, I guess it comes down to informed consent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like people if, need to know. Making if somebody sure understands understand. the risks and they know, hey, I'm terminal anyway, yeah. maybe I can have a legacy of... And I have treatment. problems with laws that block people who have terminal illnesses, who have aggressive illnesses from seeking trial treatments. I really, really have issues with those because they don't have anything to lose and you should be taking the chains off. Right. And let them make those ethical decisions on their own. Anyway, my two cents there. But we all came into this thing with a, a, a perspective all our own. And when you came out of it, do you feel like anything changed for you? A little bit for me because, I mean, not from beginning to end, but more like from middle to end. I was pretty much totally, completely not on board with 
uh, cloning to destroy the fetus for research purposes. But, I mean, given the impact it could have on the future, and if we do it in the most humane way possible, like with the 14 days maybe, it becomes easier to accept. I'm just glad I'm not the one that has to make that choice, you know? Yeah. I think when I first began my research, it was just kind of like cloning, like this science fiction thing, this, like I knew testing and research existed, but I didn't really like consider it on an ethical level. I considered the psychology. Beyond that, I didn't really have any qualms with it. Through research, I definitely have qualms with it. But in the end, I think I still fall on the same side where there's like, there's a band-aid that's going to need to be ripped off eventually. How do you mean? I think through one way or another, human cloning is going to be a thing. And deciding on how we handle that now versus how we handle it later is a very important decision. I just don't know exactly where to fall on it just yet. I think I came into it from the generation of young teenagers amidst the human cloning movies. Uh, it, one thing I can't believe none of us brought up during Jurassic this entire discussion. Park. No, don't. <laughs> okay, but all Star on. Wars. Fair point. Oh, yeah. Clone. I mean, all of episode two and three was about oh, human yeah. cloning. That's a, that's Clone a Wars. Good point. I mean, how do we get through this whole discussion and not talk about it? But, you know, I I think it was really interesting. I've watched part of the the cartoon series that came from that, and they explore a little Mm. bit of the ethics side of things in that show. Uh, And it's really interesting to see kind of like the psychological breakdown of some of these clones because they know I've been acceleratedly aged, I'm going to die soon, and I am nothing but cannon fodder for the Jedi. So this lack of identity is... So there's a lack of identity. But what's crazy is they all develop each individual identities like right extremely different yeah like we said circumstances and environments and and it, for them they also have like training that goes yeah, into yeah. like pre-programming their brains to be experts at order marksmanship 66. or you know whatever and of course order 66 as well yeah um but yeah i just wanted to bring that up um but i think for me those movies scared the heck out of me of like i don't ever want to think about this again uh, no, done. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> so in that, I haven't really shifted a whole lot, but I do think, you know, from the medical research perspective, when you start comparing those parallels of the stem cell research that we can already do and the amazing benefits we get, and you extrapolate that into personalized genetic therapies for anybody that suffers from any of those diseases I listed earlier, Man, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah. I, I want it to be done humanely. You know, I want that preservation of the sanctity of life to still be there. But I, I think it would be foolish of us to believe A, that cloning a human is just going to be fine, but also <laughs> that not cloning them for the purposes of medical research would have huge benefits. It would be foolish to think that that wouldn't be the case. And so to to not explore that I think would be a major failure of, of the medical research system that we have to prepare for our future, to prepare for the future, you know, as we start to deal with scarcity of resources and things that there will be issues that become a bigger and bigger problem. Cancers are becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And to think that that could be solved potentially ethically 
I, I think that's something that warrants discussion, it warrants action, and it warrants regulation and legislation to make sure that it stays on the right side of that ethical line. Did you notice any, any, cause I didn't go deep into this, um, this rabbit hole that, that really came up a lot during this discussion. And I'm glad it did cause I feel like it informed me, but do you, did you notice anything in what you were reading that sort of showed that there were any current roadblocks in the way for keeping this technology from progressing funding so that's the big one mm -hmm. yeah massive scares happen i didn't know if the red tape i didn't know if the its relationship to no there's the sanctity of life at least and everything has has caused it to be at least in the u.s there's almost no restriction at all uh, the only problem is nobody gets the money to do it. Well, and I, I think what you're trying to bring up is, is it only the funding or is it also taboo? Uh, taboo. Is well, it, that's is my there question. A, Some, is there a well-agreed Oh, I mean, it's generally accepted in the medical community. That yeah, it's like, like, we just avoid We don't do that. that. Yes. And, and I think there's a lot to that. Um, I didn't dig deep into it, but it, mm. from from what I've seen, of, I mean, even what you've read, yeah, it seems like everybody agrees that everybody agrees that like this is real sketchy, and until we figure <laughs> out a little bit more, it's like they look at it like a, a landmine, like a political landmine or a, a ethical landmine that they're yeah, afraid imagine, they're going to imagine yeah. you make some big breakthrough in that and announce it, everybody would just be like, "You weren't supposed to be you weren't <laughs> you weren't supposed yeah. to be doing that." Well, I feel like. Um, Personally, I went into this very uninformed. So it's it's actually, I haven't been in this position very much throughout the history of Candor Encounter. But I, I really feel like I went into it dumb, you know? Yeah. And so like saying that I changed my opinion is a little bit weird because it's like you already know you had a pretty uninformed opinion, <laughs> you know? When but, has that stopped anybody? <laughs> yeah. So when I started reading and, and watching, I was like, oh, like I didn't even know any of this stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say my opinion was pretty neutral. I didn't really care if cloning existed. I didn't really even think about the ethics of it before researching it. So I had no qualms about saying, I mean, if they can replicate somebody, fine. If they want to be cloned, fine. But like, that's because I just hadn't. I hadn't even sat right, down for a right. second to think about what that means. So this discussion has been really enlightening for me. I, I feel, you know, midway through, I was saying, like, I feel like it's okay. I, it's okay to clone, um, you know, if you're a, a mother who just really wants to preserve your genetic material. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm in this middle ground where I'm trying to figure out how I feel about it. And I think that listening the way you guys landed feels really right to me. I feel like I'm so afraid I'm abandoning my, I don't want to say pro-life roots cause I don't care about roots, but like the way I viewed life, you know, by saying that I feel like you're right. I feel like we should allow it to continue and we should allow the research to happen and it does need to be done in an ethically responsible and very careful way. And the problem is, I think that that. That is where the fault will lie. Well, 
we can only regulate that here and so much. What happens outside of this country? Well, I mean, even inside the country, there will there will be no matter what law breakers. we pass or don't pass, it's yeah. going to happen out there in what way it ever wants to. You know, the the best regulation is always from within. Mm-hmm. You know, like we know that if you have people who are afraid for their own careers, they're not going to touch this stuff. That's way more powerful than any oh, amount yeah. of fine oh, yeah. that the federal government can put in place. Right, right. So I think I, I really landed in a new place this time and that I, I feel like I can say, yeah, you should re- continue the research. You should uh, not allow fully cloning a human being. I don't, I think you're right. I don't, I don't really see a full benefit. Yeah. And if there is one, it is so minute. It, there are so many other human beings that could benefit from the care rather than, especially at this time with the technology that we have, you're going to bring in someone you already damaged in some way. You know, like it's going to happen. Right. They're going to be half-lifed. They're going to have genetic deformities. They're going to have, I don't even know why you would want to do it, to be honest with you. Like it's just a mess, an expensive, useless mess to do that. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. So does anybody have anything they want to say before we let our listeners go on their merry way? Leave. Leave? (laughs) We're just kicking you out. Bye. Be gone. Okay, guys. So you came and and you heard us. Now leave. And now it's time to go. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yes, Andrew. (laughs) Before we all just sign off, before we all just sign off and, and, uh, and move on, let's thank Andrew for coming in today. We have never added a fourth person to Canter Encounter. You're the first guest we've ever had. Ooh, neat. And uh, we're, what, 26, seven episodes in, yeah. right? Well, I'm even more honored then. And uh, and so it's just been us three all the time. And we were wondering how it was going to be. Because it's just the dynamic has sort of been solidified for a while. And I was really pleasantly surprised by you it. Yeah, both this, you around. this went incredibly well. Cool. Well, I had a great time. It was... Hey, I'm glad. It's a lively I'm glad. discussion. Titillating. <laughs> David always <laughs> adds in those one words. And a shout out to my mom for watching the kids tonight so I could actually be here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, mom. You're a saver. A lifesaver. Okay. <laughs> Why did that bother you so much? Because <laughs> I saver. A saver? You saved the day. You're a saver. Uh, a savior? <laughs> Yeah, okay. (laughs) Semantics. (laughs) Or or grammar. (laughs) If you want to, you can find us on Facebook at Counter Encounter Podcast. Our episodes will be there. You can also look in the show notes of each of the episodes to find our our resources uh, where we saw all this uh, information. If you have something you want us to talk about, go to candorencounter.com slash submit. Uh, put your topic or question or whatever it is in there. Hopefully we'll be talking about it soon. 
If you are listening on our website at the top, there's a Podchaser link where you can leave us a ranking. Uh, not a ranking. You can leave us a review and um, let us know how we're doing. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review there. And we appreciate every one of you. So thanks for listening. And we hope that you click on us again and join us next. Well, I was going to say next week. Join us in two weeks because we release every two weeks. So that does it for us. And just remember, we love you as a human being. So until next time. Take it easy. And have a great day. Sounds like a mineral. Yeah. It, it's the rare mineral made from those little <laughs> things that hang off your chromosomes. Tolerated. Yeah. I couldn't even remember the name of Telomere.